try it out. That apple was a nice little treat. That's got me. That's like give me an energy boost. Spring has sprung, hasn't it? You can tell because I smashed two dipped cones today. <laughs> <laughs> it's free cone day at DQ, people. <laughs> Is it really? It's free cone day. No goddamn wonder I couldn't get my triple I saw berry people smoothie. That was out to yeah. the road just a minute ago. Oh, uh, yeah. It's I free saw, cone day, baby. I saw people walking on Main Street with cones. You ain't got to buy cones. nothing. You just yeah. go in there and get a free cone. Our guest last week uh, was in uh, was here for the, the Nazi rally in Pikeville covering it. And I had no idea there was a Nazi rally in Pikeville. No, you know, like you know the, the the OG one, oh. the, one that, the one that broke all our brains. <laughs> oh, the I thought you meant like a week ago. <laughs> I was like, what? How'd I miss that? No, I mean, no, I'm no. really unplugged now. No new Nazis. No <laughs> you new mean Nazis. the one that ruined all our lives? Okay, yeah, yeah, the one that, that ruined on. our lives. Go on. And she she remarked that before she left that she had to uh, go for a hike, go for a swim, and go get DQ because she lives in New York. Oh yeah, they don't have DQ in New York. It's probably just not the same. So. If they do have it, it's just not the same. <laughs> I would I would venture to say there's no DQ in New York. I still can't hear myself through these headphones. I don't know why. <laughs> I bet <laughs> it's the headphones important. themselves. You think it is? Yeah. Maybe so. Be. Swap me out. Okay. But I don't need to hear myself. I can hear you all. Okay. <laughs> also, um, I'm so not just a chatter in this fashion, so we're just going to, I'll just, this is great. <laughs> I'm like totally an introvert who doesn't talk a lot. We're gonna throw a, you right into the fire. Of, <laughs> yes, so we're gonna let you read. Uh, speak your piece. Okay. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna pull you right in here. The, Perfect. The easiest way to tell that it's springtime in Appalachia is the influx of white vans, like white passenger vans, oh. um, carting all of the like ah. spring breakers and missionaries down from Pennsylvania, That's right. New York. And also the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> also the FBI and I, kidnappers. I thought you were gonna say, cause like your ducks start ang- laying eggs again and like the colt's <laughs> foot is blooming and you can hear the spring peepers. The cats get horny. <laughs> Ducks do too. <laughs> My ducks have been having a no. lot of queer sex. I have to say, Ooh. yeah. There's not a Drake to be seen, and they are like, oh. <laughs> they're all at about it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that, that a reference farm. to the artist Drake, or is that? <laughs> it also? should be as a general rule. <laughs> I wonder if Drake, the artist, knows that male ducks are called Drakes, which I'm assuming predates Drake, the artist. Well, it sounds like he is himself a um, male duck. Yeah, he sounds like. You think he has a corkscrew dick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard his dick is corkscrewed for sure. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. I'm yeah. sure. But also, he's weird with young women. So. He is definitely. Um, so he's teetering on being canceled. Well, no. He, like I said earlier this week, he won't be until he's 20 years after his career. 20 years and after the career is actually over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rachel, were you at the Moth when it came to Apple Shop? Yeah. Okay, you remember uh, Dame? Was that her yeah, name? Yeah, Dame Wilburn, I think. Yeah. She, she told the lesbian chicken sex story. Yes. So she said, you know, if you don't have any roosters, one of your chickens will butch up on you. Yeah. <laughs> <Has> Ducks, too. <laughs> Ducks, too. I was going to say, do you have one particular butch of the crew? They take turns. They're all switches, oh, I guess. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, cute. Maybe not all of them. I don't know. There's 13 ducks. I can't really keep track keep of what's <laughs> happening. And part of what happened is that I don't have a big enough like pond pool thing for them right now. And so they were kind of fighting over like the water thing. But in the water, they really do some. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to fucking call it, but yeah. So if you have three, you see, if you 13. have 10 hens, I have. You'll, yeah. you'll have one that will um, ostensibly. 
It was more than one. There were like multiple. Oh, were they like <laughs> yeah. fight and vie for alpha leadership? I don't know. I can't quite figure out who's in charge um, yeah. of the whole. <laughs> well, block. as a country Heard. queer expert, paddle, I think paddle of ducks. I looked paddle. this up. You can call it a paddle or a raft. Cute. Yeah, paddle is uh, the uh, venery name, right? And then a raft is when there's a Drake involved. Oh, really? A, gr- a how group do you know a Drake. This? Yeah, how do you know this? I'm so I know I know all the venery names of all the animals. Quiz me. <laughs> venery? Yeah, what is a venery? Yeah, venery <laughs> name is what like like those old like aristocratic English hunters would like name groups of animals something. So what are some others? So oh. like um oh. so like, like a dog. murder of crows. A murder of crows, a kettle of hawks, a uh, an alliance of dolphins. But when the ladies show up, it's a team. Oh. No, it's a party. It's a party. It's a party. <laughs> it's a party. Oh, <laughs> that's true for humans. That's true, too. generally speaking. <laughs> and, and a rape of bros, as we would call. Oh, right? Is that real? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, like, kinda. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if there's any kind of like. In the era of For example, too. like, uh, you know, a murder of crows, like, where did that come from? I was wondering if maybe they had applied that word to. <laughs> yeah. To no, another. that was a brandy joke, remember, from. Uh, oh, from yeah, brandy yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand up at Apple Shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I think you should just coin a term for uh, lesbian duck sex since you country queer expert anyway. That, see, you, I did not sign up for any like on-the-spot <laughs> invention of terms <laughs> when I agreed to this interview. That is not... I'll get back to you in like three weeks after I've thought okay, about it for right, a long right. time, which right. is the pace at which I... We'll work. edit it in. It'll be... Yeah, great. <laughs> we'll like it was in real time. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll make you look The real sound good. quality is like I'm recording you in a warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's very... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just leave it on my voicemail and we'll just play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. For sure. I saw Bats fucking one time. Whoa. Oh, Tom Tom holds the esteemed... Um, I'm in the literature. Tom is in the... Yeah, Tom is actually cited in scientific literature. At Syracuse University. About <laughs> bat sex? I was playing tennis one night with... Jonathan Hoopman, our buddy, who's also a bat scientist, and uh, also in in addition to you, is that what you were saying? What's that now? No, he in addition to being a basketball player, oh, Hoopman I is a bat scientist. Oh. I thought you were saying he's also a bat scientist, like I am. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the foremost expert over here. Yeah, Hoopman is a bat scientist. Well, hey, I'm in the literature, so. <laughs> That's true. I mean, that's the funny thing. Like, people have dedicated their lives to studying. Like bat reproduction, and Tom was just fucking around at a tennis court one time. I had I had him I had him cutting cards for that fucking video. Yeah, this motherfucker was like auctioning it off, basically. And I went with the person that was going to give me credit in the in the literature. So wait, wait, but what happened? Look, what was so actually, we were playing yeah. tennis, and like those bats, like they'll just like swoop up to the lights and eat moths, you right. know, and they'll just fly around up there. We were just playing, then all of a sudden, this red bat just. Sp- this female bat out of the air and then they just went to the ground and Jonathan said get your phone out (laughs) (laughs) I was like what and I mean it was crazy I think I still got it I'll forward it to you after the show he knew immediately what was happening yeah he goes this is rarer than gold they're both flying the male bat comes and like tackles her from the air down to the ground yeah yeah basically so it's uh, I think it's basically like rare gold because it's been so rarely with documented. documented, yeah, right. bat reproduction itself is very much a mystery. Wow. Um, yeah, they think that it might happen. I mean, like, 
this guy saw a this is a red bat, right? Yeah, a eastern yeah. red bat. So it's yeah. a pretty common bat. Tree bat. Yeah. Right, right. But some of them, you know, they mate like around cave openings, portals as they call them. And uh just hasn't been witnessed very often. Just mm. hilarious though that Tom got sighted on a <laughs> I got I'm I so you got money for the video too? No, I didn't get money for it, but it I got sold I got, it to BuzzFeed. I got, <laughs> I got a I got a credit in a journal at Syracuse for the BuzzFeed yeah. Bat Channel, <laughs> <laughs> which you could put on your CV. You should put on your CV. Uh, yeah, I should. <laughs> <laughs> under your bat work got, or under publications. Yeah, yeah. several like publications. Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. totally. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> so how long was the video? It was brief but intense. <laughs> <laughs> what it lacked in quantity. Well, and and then the fucked up thing that you realize, and I don't want to like be cavalier when discussing this in the human world, but in the animal world, like it, <clears throat> sex is rarely consensual with a lot of yeah. species. So, yeah, uh, and yeah. it appears to be the case with the red bat too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the thing about that though is that a lot of, I mean, you know, probably know more about this than I have. A lot of the female. Um, in the species will evolve certain ways to uh, not make it cons the act itself consensual, but make the act of selecting the sperm consensual. Like in ducks, they've got very elaborate, like vaginal cavities or whatever the I fuck they're called. I can't say like, that I know more about this than you turn <laughs> sexually. Shockingly. I think really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, they do. They're uh, like female well, duck vaginas have like dead ends and stuff that wow. like. Um, well, to, because of the corkscrew. Yeah. 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 So that they can basically like choose what sperm they want to be inseminated by, <laughs> unless you're in my paddle of raft, which is it when there's a drake, <laughs> whatever, and uh, there's only one drake, and then you don't get to choose. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I don't have a drake anymore. I ate, I ate my drake. Oh, nice. <laughs> 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 yes. Continuing on. It was either going to be you or them. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Awesome. They had to go. Hell One yeah. on twelve's not good odds. Hell yeah. Oh shit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well. Wow. dad has a chicken. Um. So he, right now he's got like twenty five chicks. He puts. He has fighting rooster. Never mind. Edit that out. <laughs> he has regular roosters. Why? Well, very, <laughs> very docile, kind, nice roosters. Are you going to get in trouble for saying that? No, I don't know. I mean, it, it's definitely not legal. I mean, we talk about Nobody cares. <laughs> anywho, anywho, he has regular, peaceful chicken, uh, roosters, and then chickens, and he has them separated. And when he wants... Uh, to make chicks, he'll stick a rooster in, and he like paints their heads and everything to keep track of what uh, type they are or whatever. Yeah, I mean he's like legit breeding whatever, they, and he like sells them whatever <laughs> because of what breed they are. Right. Anywho, let me ask you a question: Is he a Hatch Kelso Roundhead man? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> These are the peaceful breeds. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. And you can do hybrids. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, I'm sure he could answer that. But he has a chicken that he has put a rooster in with multiple times, and then he set her eggs, and they haven't been fertilized. Really? So he says he says that she can't, she's not, he can't top her. He can't, she can't be topped. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you made a tweet about that. <laughs> yeah, Michelle went over there and he's laughing. Like, oh, Michelle, I got this chicken, can't be topped. <laughs> 
I thought you'd like it. <laughs> Did he know he was referring specifically? <laughs> well. To what? Did what? Did he know he was referring to a specific, like, sort of parlance, like a specific kind of slang? It queer sex. Was he like? <laughs> no, he wasn't that far into it. He just like I was just about to be like, is that not in everybody's sex? Yeah. That's just queer sex. I don't okay. know. Yeah. All right. But <laughs> no. I mean, just but it, it is technically. But I just <laughs> no, technically it is. But the language itself around it yeah. is different. Very, very. I'd say queer. that's very, say very. That. Outside of hetero, he was just making <laughs> a lesbian know. joke more than a sex joke, but we took it very differently. We really enjoyed it. We've, we've mentioned it multiple. I times. just like he's like thought you liked it. Thought, thought you liked, liked it. it. <laughs> <laughs> she came home and told me, and I was like, "Call him up, tell him we'll take her. We're gonna put her over here. We'll eat her eggs. She belongs here now. <laughs> She's our chicken." That's funny shit. Lord, damn! Wow, I've been to more chicken fights than I care to confess to. Well, Michelle says that he used, when she was single, he used to be like, Joe, you ought to come to the fights with me now. There's more women there than men. You would be surprised. <laughs> if your dad gets you fixed up at the chicken fighting derbies. He would have been so proud. I know. Not, I'm sure he's proud now, too. Just <laughs> I'm just not living up. <laughs> you ain't a derby queen, baby. Yeah. <laughs> well... Oh my god. Well, um, too much. Well, yeah, no, um Yeah, no. Springtime in in Eastern Kentucky is pretty uh, it's it's beautiful, but it's also pretty hilarious. My allergies rare up this time of year, so I have a hard time enjoying it. Yeah. You don't you don't like it. The other day I was walking out um my house and there was a uh, one of those big white vans, you know, with <laughs> a bunch of people from like New York or something. <laughs> the FBI. That's what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> they had somehow uh, New Yorkers. Yeah, New Yorkers. <laughs> Heavy air quotes, New Yorkers. Right. <laughs> They've all got the like New England accent, like, hello there. They're just all here for some Dairy Queen. Yeah, They're yeah. Like, we We've got real authentic that. people down here. They're here for free cone day. <laughs> yeah, we got lost on our way to free cone day. I heard the blizzard won't fall out of that cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. We're no, trying I mean, to get to the story about the white van, and we keep well, sidetracking. It's, it's uh, there's really nothing to it. It was just really funny. Like uh, they had somehow managed to wrap their van around a telephone pole. Oh my god! Not like in a wreck. Like oh. they were they were probably really hung over and trying to pull off out of Upper Bottom right over here, right by Apple Shop, and their van was just stuck against this telephone pole, and all like seven of them were standing out there just scratching their heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> What you do about that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, "How did this happen?" Amazing, <laughs> pretty crazy. Did you go there and say, I'll, "I'll help you," but first I gotta know, y'all, uh, <laughs> y'all cool? <laughs> Are you feds? Are you cool? Yeah. You if cool? I ask you, you gotta tell me. You gotta me. tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. What's your Wi-Fi signal? Is it FBI band? <laughs> Can you be trusted? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's also I do love spring because the Easter lilies are out. Aka the daffodils, mm-hmm. those are beautiful. You have a few out in your yard, I see. They, they, I do. I already have ants in here as well. Oh yeah, that's that spring for at? sure. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> what are you doing over there? Distracted by ants. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to look at my notes to see if there was any pressing issues that we should talk about. Oh, you have today. notes. Yeah, he said notes. I thought he said nuts for sure, and I was like, <laughs> Oh my nuts! Right, yeah, I was um, looking at my nuts. Pressing issues over there. <laughs> well, let us know. We'll take a break. <laughs> uh, uh, what's going on over there in the real world, cowboy? 
Uh, well, I'm not trying to like steal anybody's uh, you know spotlight or anything. I just like you know just had a few things to, of note that had happened in the last week or so that I thought was pretty funny. So. Oh, whose spotlight would you steal? Um, well, I don't know. We have a guest. Oh, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what happened? So what happened? please steal the spotlight. I don't really like it. No. Well, we've already started the episode, so uh, might as well you know introduce our guest for the week. Oh yeah. yes, please. Um, Great. You want me to introduce myself? Great. No, maybe Tanya should, <laughs> since she's sitting right now. I can oh. introduce myself. Allow me. Yes, please do. Um, my name's Rachel. Wait, shit. I'm really bad. You gotta tell me. What do you want me to say? Uh, this is Rachel. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Hi, nice this, to meet you, Rachel. Uh, I told, I social security you. number, blood type. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just the regular. Just the huge <laughs> credit card number. <laughs> if you could, if you got it. Rachel has actually been a star of a few different uh, Trio Billy segments. A few. Yeah. That oh, I've, really? Stories I've told about her. Yeah, she uncredited. I mean, uncredited. She's stealing your material, Rachel. Yeah. Okay, great. Passing it off. Well, I own. did tell her that I shared her story on uh, our se- our new segment. Rich people are deeply diseased. Oh right, about Which, the flood in West Virginia. Oh yeah, the wine. Mm, <laughs> For yeah, some reason, I heard you say this. I I shared her story on Arsenio Hall. <laughs> I don't know. Carry on. Four. <laughs> Four headphones is not working as well yeah. as three headphones. Seriously. Turns out we all have a short. Well, <laughs> damn no. shit. This is DIY podcasting, Tanya. Yeah. Anyway, she is the glamorous owner, was the glamorous owner of the uh, outhouse. Oh. From. Renter. I was renting that outhouse. <laughs> she was renting the outhouse where I got to play fetch while I was shitting. Remember right, that? Right, right, right. I was one. so proud on that trip because um, I had like cleaned that outhouse really well. I like swept it out and like made it cozy. And I put in a little twinkly lights just in I advance of people coming so <laughs> that it would feel like yeah. welcoming for people who were not that excited about the outhouse. But just nobody commented on the fucking lights. I, I kept did. mentioning it. I literally I, did. Okay, great. And then I told it on the, uh, the all Tribulus listeners now know about the twinkle lights in your outhouse. <laughs> great. They're no longer in that house. They're now at my house. Is this in Pocahontas County? It's right on the border, yeah. So I grew up on the border of Greenbrier and Pocahontas counties. And so this outhouse is in Greenbrier County. That's right. Yeah. To the listeners. The best Virginia. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. (laughs) Rachel's face (laughs) says. No doubt about it. Yeah, everybody says that. I believe it. I'm just like, do we even have to say what yeah, state we're talking right. about? Why doesn't everybody know? We're talking about the best state well, in the when, damn country. Right. And when I described the outhouse fetch situation into the like butterfly garden, essentially, oh, yeah. and the rolling hills, when I described this on Normie Clown Posse episode. Oh, this is by the Gazuntide Institute. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. One of our more controversial. Not right by. <laughs> Not right by. Not we'll just have you know. <laughs> Not bordering. No, okay. Same, <laughs> same county. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ter- I was describing this and Terrence said it sounds like you were in heaven and I missed the chance to Ooh. say almost because <laughs> it's almost heaven God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. I would Loves say it's it. actually be- heaven we- I, think, I think you were actually right well, we are not being paid by the tourism <laughs> West, state of West Virginia that's right we are not Disclaimer. open for business <laughs> no no me and Tom the other no. day were talking about that um we were talking the other day about that um, West Virginia China deal where China yeah. bought up all this. Like, we were like, you know, 
in the next 100 years or so, that may not actually be that bad of a deal. It might not. It might but actually also, wind up benefiting. I feel like that story just disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, just immediately. It was this huge, <laughs> weird story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, I care a lot about West Virginia and yeah. this region and its relationship to the world. And I don't even know what the current, like, I don't, yeah. it just kind of was like, this weird, bizarre, the China bought half the state of West Virginia. Has that happened to any other state ever? Probably not. And yeah. then there was like no news about it. I don't ever think again. they thought that we would twist it into, oh, you let China buy West Virginia because they were like, jobs, jobs, jobs. Yeah. It was a jobs announcement. And then everyone was like, wait, what? You sold West Virginia? After well, we already forced them to change the logo back from open to business yeah. to wild and wonderful, which clearly didn't mean shit. I thought I think it could work out because you know, um, <laughs> let's keep an open mind about that. Uh, <laughs> More chemical plants well, along West Virginia's rivers. Well, you know, like China doesn't have that whole like death cult thing that this country seems to have been ha- have gone into in the last ten or fifteen years. Like they actually have long term plans and self interest. It's bad. It probably <laughs> involves not us not surviving. But, you know, I don't think that they really, uh, you know, I don't think that they, they're not like nihilistic death cult like we are with, you know, which is what the Republicans are. That's a bit, it's basically a death cult and so are the Democrats as well. So it could work out. I mean, they, they could, you know, they, they'd actually invest in the infrastructure maybe. And Given the choice between Joe Manchin and Xi Jinping, I take I'm Xi, taking yeah. Z yes. nine times that, out of ten. That's what I'm getting at. I'm taking Z nine times oh. out of ten. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 it is bad. I'm just uh, totally silver lining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Who knows? We're trying to do that lately. Classic on the, on the trillbillies. Yeah, trying silver to lining. It's a new thing yeah. we're trying out. Yeah. Just me. We're trying so not to be so. You can see how it's going. <laughs> yeah, seems like it's going great. Well, I'm sorry to derail. No, the, no. Everything. We were just talking about outhouses. I feel like yeah. it's a fine yeah. shift to chemical plants on the River. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The natural yeah. progression. progression. That's Great right. Job. Yeah. Yeah, but I was introducing you just oh, right. to the, just reminding the Trailbilly audience that you're an old pro here on the show. You've <laughs> been here many times. In spirit. <laughs> in, in spirit. spirit. For sure. And we are so grateful to have you here uh, in the flesh today. Yeah. Well, thanks. I'll have to say I've been a little bit nervous because this is like... <laughs> the most like let's just be witty and funny and good at talking podcast that i (laughs) listen to and Uh those are like not i'm like yeah about to launch a podcast that will be so the opposite of this podcast because i'm so not into just like talking off the cuff (laughs) and recording it it like is not my style so i was a little bit worried Tony was like, just come on and just be funny. And I was like, now I feel stressed out. <laughs> I so I rolled it back in. I was like, never mind. Forget the funny. When there's no fun. We won't have any fun. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it at all. Well, none of us are funny. Um, it's just that. Uh, I, I disagree with that. Well, you know. Some funniness that happens here. He was fishing. For yeah, me. I was about to say. <laughs> he pulled out his fishing pole there. That's and, why the fuckers. Uh, he really took the bait. the fuckers, the bill dance of fucking. That's I'm true. Bill Dance. Fishing for compliments. Yeah, yeah I'm Bill Dance of fishing for compliments. Yeah. <laughs> I love Bill Dance. That's a man. reference that might elude a lot of listeners, <laughs> but go look up Bill Dance. No, Bill but Dance videos are great. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't know what the hell they're talking okay, about. Great. He's got like <laughs> a specific... Me 80% of the time. You remember Bill Dance. <laughs> He's got like a specific Most saying too, doesn't he? I don't remember, man. There's been many nights when me and Tom and Matt have just watched Bill Dance videos. Good Lord. Well, I, I want to tell you something. I'm... You know, there's a lot of people that are Bill Dance truthers. About what about him? 
Like on his okay, so Bill Dance is a pro fisherman for those that may not know. Okay, yeah, and, and, and he's the guy that wears the orange Tennessee hat, like on the fishing shows on ESPN, oh, yeah. like Saturday yeah. morning, like seven a.m. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so what I've learned is this <laughs> from my sources <laughs> is that Bill Dance is not really out there all day slaying fish after fish after fish. That sometimes they shoot for like days and days and days at a time. Really? Yeah. But they make you think this is just one fishing trip, and he's just like, you know, fishing with dynamite. Does out he there. wear the same outfit every day? Every time, mm. except for when he falls in the water. He's it does a lot of buffoonish stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of like what this podcast is. Like, we'll we will p- record for days and days and days and edit it down. Edit it down to an hour. So this or is two. Like not really connected. But I'm just gonna go there because it seems like the flow of conversation here is that yeah. we just hop we all over. There are no guidelines here. There's no rules. Um, so I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Greenbrier, Pocahontas County, raised by like pretty hardcore back to lander hippies. We didn't have TV. Um, the neighboring land of the farm I grew up on had been a commune in the 70s. Um, so when I was a kid, there were like, you know, I'd walk, I just wander around because we lived in like literally nobody would come over. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ever. Um, I'd get so excited if there was a car like out on the driveway. <laughs> half, I'd like run to the window and watch and see if I could tell whose car it was. Guests. And, yeah. Totally. But they wouldn't come to our house. They'd just like drive on up the driveway. Yeah. It would be just see little Rachel's eyes. Oh my God. Yeah. And I had older siblings who were like not that into hanging out. You know, I'd like hang out with the animals on the sheep farm and like wander around on all this like land. And there were up in the barn lofts and in this old like school bus and whatever there were just remnants of people living in all these spaces yeah. so like old bed frames or like posters on the wall or just random shit from like hippies living in barns where <laughs> the they would archives. line yeah right of things the accumulate. back to the land totally. yeah, but they accumulate. would like line the walls of the barns with hay bales and then have a wood stove inside which like i'm surprised nobody died it's, <laughs> but, so anyways the point of all this is that there's a connection my only connection to fishing shows is about growing up without TV and how little of it I've watched in my life. But I was at a friend's house in high school and I was stoned out of my mind. And the TV visuals and the audio were like not matched up. And so somehow the audio was Xena Princess Warrior, but the video was a fishing show, maybe with this guy. Oh my God, Bill Dance. It was incredible. Bill Dance. And I was so stoned. And it was like one of, I still, I mean, this is, I don't know, this has been like 20 years and I still think about it. Set to Xena Warrior. (laughs) No, that definitely gives us the image, the episode image for this episode now. (laughs) Xena Warrior Princess fishing on a... Put a Tennessee hat. On Xena <laughs> Warrior Princess. With a, and a fish. Yeah, she holding like a fish. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, I was God. at, I went over to, uh, me and Alex went hiking yesterday at um, the Pinnacle Area State Nature Preserve in Virginia. And these guys pulled up um, in a big truck and they had a bunch of trout in the back and they were stocking the river. I was like, that'd be ah. a pretty, pretty badass job. Yeah. You know, you just throw fish in the river all day. Right, and old guys just come and fish them right out immediately if you throw them in. Do they really? Yeah, it was so crazy. they're probably they probably know when they're stopping they're on the them and just lining up. That's exactly when they. It was really funny. It was like it was like feeding fish, but it was feeding humans with fish. <laughs> <laughs> Robert all, Sayer, he used to know all the. He'd be like, "I gotta go fishing." They stocked upon yesterday. <laughs> they would do that up at home all the time. I remember that people would like know the days that they were yeah. releasing mm-hmm. the fish and just go right there. Stocking day. Mm-hmm. Stocking mm-hmm. day. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Damn. Christmas, <laughs> I would still fish in Valor. I would, uh, 
I would just go on stalking. I, actually, if I was the guy that was doing the stalking, I would just step away and say, hey, <laughs> take a picture of me, just like with this trophy trail. <laughs> big shitting grin. <laughs> there is apparently, I am told, at Fish Pond Lake has been listed as a honey hole by Kentucky Fish and Wildlife. What's a honey hole? Just oh, like, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a world, there's not a world record, but like a state record largemouth bass up there. Like, you know, really? when they shock them up and they do like the whatever. <laughs> No shit. Yeah. Wow. And Derek, Kevin Derek Sexton's the one that. <laughs> but hey, to, to his credit, he does have the second largest bass ever caught in Kentucky. <laughs> really? That is confirmed on the pages of the Mountain Eagle. His, his goofy ass just out there with the. And that's why it's a honey hole. Well, I mean, catch? but that—that's that's that's the that was the <laughs> number two horny. fish in it there. It sounds like honey pot. Horny hole. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, there's all kinds of myths and all kinds of tales about what's in fish pond like including there's like, a house under there right and you know supposedly there's like a carp the size of this cabin or some bullshit it's like catfish some, the yeah. size of a volvo <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what it is <laughs> well they were um they were doing scuba lessons out there for a little bit right there's a video on youtube that's they're advertising cute yeah they were like people can pay to come and scuba in fish pond, fish pond lake. lake yeah I don't know if they still do it, but they were for a little bit. Why are we not picking this up as our new approach to the economy in the gold fields? <laughs> Come on, on the scuba tour. <laughs> yeah. What if your home was on that house under fish pond? And you put on a scuba suit and every like, day you go home to it. <laughs> you and go you home sit to in it. your scuba suit for eight hours watching yeah. TV. Watching Netflix or whatever. Just <laughs> Time to go to work. You go up, take your wetsuit off, get in your car and go about your day trying your hair off in the car on the way yeah. <laughs> it's so funny they pick fish pond because a fish pond's like not that it's like gross but like it's it's fishy you know what mm, i mean like yeah like I, I it's not even like a good place to swim much less like scuba no when i saw them baptizing somebody in there i was pretty grossed out they oh, baptize yeah. up there they do yeah Every fuck s- yeah you remember i told you we walked up on a baptism and Oh, that was fish pond. I didn't yeah, know it was fish, fish pond. pond. I couldn't see what was happening. We could only hear it, and uh-huh. I and it sounded like at first it just sounded because you know how noise travels on water anyway. It just sounded like angelic. Four hundred car engines <laughs> were, were <laughs> revving or something. It was insane, but they were singing. It was like a I don't know forty people out there singing a hymnal. That's that's awesome. I love that. When we got yeah. closer, it was cooler. But at first, it was like. We're walking into a um, sacrifice, a cult. <laughs> yeah, like sacrifice. a cult sacrifice. I literally <laughs> don't know what's happening over this hill. That's crazy. But it was. Yeah. See, it had been a lot cooler to walk into. When I grew up in New Mexico, we didn't have water, so uh, they would <laughs> baptize you in like hot tubs and jacuzzis <laughs> that they would put a desert baptism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every ch- a lot of the churches there have like a hot tub. Oh my god! In That's the crazy. altar. That well, we have those here too. Yeah. Uh, the baptismal. Yeah. Oh. You that ain't, that ain't strictly you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> we got them too. I do that all the time with everything. Hippies don't do that, so I got nothing for you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Bat- they don't get baptized. Or they don't exceptionalize their experience. <laughs> they definitely yes. do that. <laughs> 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 I see. I see. Oh Lord. Well, you mentioned that you have a new podcast coming out, and it feels like a yeah, yeah. That I, is one of the reasons we asked you to come on today was mm-hmm. to tell us about it. But um, you. You have, uh, unlike us, you have an abundance of content already prepared <laughs> for this new piece of media um, because you've been doing this really cool Country Queers project for the last, like, 
six years. I was gonna say eight, but yeah, feels like eight. <laughs> eight like teen years <laughs> <laughs> of country queer folklore. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the podcast feels a little bit far off at the moment, just because the time is always tricky to figure out, as you all know. But um, right. But yeah, uh, that the plan is this year, maybe later in the summer, to launch that. And country queers is um, I can't believe it's been six years, but yeah. A uh, kind of multimedia oral history project. I feel like the title is really self-explanatory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you people always ask me like, "Tell us about the project." And I'm like, "Well, it's about country queers, so you know." And oral history is like, "What do you need me to say?" That's that's it. Just listen to them. <laughs> that's good. It's good to have it self-explanatory because totally. when you tell people the name of this podcast, they're like, "What the, what the fuck? <laughs> what's <Right>. what's that?" <laughs> But maybe that's part of the draw. People are like, "Oh, that's those are that's a weird combination of words." That's true. That maybe is true. I don't know. Create a new word. Yeah, yeah. Well, um. Well, that's cool. Uh. So you know, or throughout all your years of um, you know, gathering interviews and stuff, can you draw any like universal deductions about this? This is my least favorite question. World. Ooh, <laughs> first one. <laughs> Smite him down, Rachel. Uh, Sorry. No, but. I, People ask me that all the time, and I feel like partially it's me just being really stubborn about like I don't I don't think of it as this academic project where I'm like drawing a thesis conclusion out of the whole thing. It's yeah. just like about the fact that like I grew up in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia. I didn't know a single out queer person except for the Department of Natural Resources officer Dosha Webb, who that's a story we should come back to. She was amazing, but I thought um, you meant the entire agency. <laughs> That's pretty Maybe. progressive for West it Virginia. Could be. It might be true. I don't know. Um, Dosha was amazing, but anyways, and Great and man. so like I left for ten years, and after coming out outside the region, you know, p- people, it, I just thought there was like no way I could move home, and when I did, I was like, wait a minute, there's like the queer knot at Walmart. There's like people around, you know. Yeah. But why is it so hard to find people there? It was really hard to even like meet people in the same damn county. You'd see people occasionally, but. But also, like, there were just weren't stories that I could find other than stories about Brandon Tina and Matthew Shepard and, like, these violent murders, which are important parts of queer history, rural history. But also, like, that's not the only kind of rural queer experience. That's not the outcome of every rural queer story. And so I was just really frustrated. So I think part of the reason I don't like that question <laughs> is that, to me, the like, my main goal has always just been that these stories should be preserved and should be accessible to other rural queer folks so that we can feel like we exist and have existed right in places that kind of tell us that we don't and haven't existed there. So partially I think I'm just like feisty about that question because in grad school, that's what they wanted me to do. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that because I feel like the individual stories are just really like interesting. And I also think just as a human i'm not really good at drawing like overall generalizations i'm like oh but this person had this like amazing rainbow strap for their shotgun on their wall in mississippi and that person like had this really beautiful dog with weird colored eyes you know it's just like the things that stick with me are not that except for that i feel like everybody says it's really fucking hard to date and nobody knows how to give advice about that and i don't know why it's come up so much in so many conversations but a lot of people when they talk about moving to cities are like i just couldn't deal with the traffic like all of the country careers are like fuck city that's traffic. me too like, i know can't do it, <laughs> can't do it. like Same the here. thought of it makes you want to apocalyptic yeah oh yeah 
Wow, so that's, that's all I got. <laughs> for generalizations. <laughs> <laughs> oh so yeah. What were some of your favorite interviews? Uh, <clears throat> I think I've done like sixty-five now, so it's hard to Ooh. pick a favorite. I've had so many favorites. One was a seventy-eight-year-old former nun in Mas- Massachusetts wow. who she this. was feisty as hell, and she um, was really nervous about the project. She hated the word queer, which has been true of like many people I've interviewed who are over the age of sixty. They really? like I have to talk to them about the word, like why I use the word and how I, you know, yeah, because I think it, was it used to be derogatory. Totally, and yeah. there's a very <clears throat> not only generational but often generational divide. I think in people who that was a word that like was used violently towards them in yeah. their younger years and they're not into like using it um i had i interviewed some folks in colorado who didn't want to be a part of the project i ended up having dinner with them because i was staying with some friends of theirs who i'd also interviewed and part of it was that they thought that i like didn't understand at all what it would be like to um to like face bullshit for being queer i think they thought and I think it's true for like a lot of younger queer people that like it's just it's such a different landscape, right? Than even if you were sixty. But at the time, I was working in rural public schools in West Virginia, and I wasn't out at work. Although I think like queer kids found me and came out to me, but like teachers <laughs> hey, never hey, asked me. You cool? Yeah, totally. Cool. <laughs> no, it was more like I'm bi, and I'd be like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the teachers like wouldn't talk about it with me. So, anyways, I think after talking to them about that and they finally agreed to do an interview which like i had given up on it but they just were so they found that word so abrasive that they didn't even want to be a part of the project until they sort of yeah. like learned a little bit more about me and my reasons but so this person who was in massachusetts um wanted to not use her real name because she was really nervous about the project so the name that i chose to talk about her is francis um and she'd grown up just in rural western mass um and had been with her partner for like 30 years. <laughs> she was like giving me relationship advice unsolicited that was amazing. Um, <laughs> and asking me about my, you know, I love when people flip it around and they're like, well, what about you? Well, how's your garden? And what, you know, cause I think that's fair for mm-hmm. interviews. Yeah. But she told this, she just had this line about um, being in the convent and trying to teach and she didn't like teaching and she fell in love with another nun and not with God and she said that being gay in the convent was like being a kid in a candy shop and she oh. had to leave and I was like this oh is amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She, was a, she was pretty rad. This is what wow. I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah. And then I mean so many. There were these people I stayed with in Mississippi um, southern Mississippi who um they kept telling me like their road was so bad they'd have to pick me up at the end and I was like you haven't seen the road I grew up on in West Virginia like I am sure I can get there it's flat like whatever got a good old lesbaru like I will be fine <laughs> um and then Mason this like really butch dyke from Florida picked me up in her truck and the reason the road was so bad is that it's in this like kind of swampy part of the state that when it rains a lot at all like it, they have to take a boat to their house like it's just so the road is not just like yeah 
it was a bad road. Yeah. But I also like didn't know these people and I get picked up by this person. I'm like driving miles out this terrible road in this truck to like stay with what them strangers. with a flip phone. Um, <laughs> and that's, that is literally that's the 21st century version of up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. But <laughs> they the were amazing. Mason was like had been a part of this like lesbian um, land project in Mississippi in the 90s called Camp Sister Song that they got all this um they just got harassed super hardcore by folks in the community like people would like kill dogs and leave bloody tampons in their mailbox and like dead dogs on their property they like lit a car on fire and rolled it down into their land to try to burn them out like they, there was just a lot of shit so they ended up on oprah and jerry springer and like there was this whole thing so mason like that was her kind of younger mid life years but she um was partnered with this woman Spencer who who was born in um oh I'm gonna forget maybe Tahiti and her mom was white and French and her father was like a traveling diplomat from West Africa and she'd grown up in France and then lived in Wisconsin and ended up they like met each other in um New Orleans and now they lived in this like beautiful hand-built half-finished cabin out in the swamps of Mississippi. And so like wow. Spencer was cooking this like incredible French food and Mason had the rainbow shotgun strap and like <laughs> yeah. was just this like working class <laughs> Southern butch. Uh, anyways, it just like end up out in the middle of nowhere being like, I don't know where I'm going. And then it's this like weird, magical, so, bizarre. So how place. do you, how do you typically find these people? So that's the only time I've done like a big, Gator, right? It's Gator. Yeah. I just have it on top of my car, and it like, sends out signals. It like, comes come standard in the all-new 2019 Lesbaru. <laughs> <laughs> this, was, this was actually a 2003 Lesbaru, so it, you have to go old school with the car for it to work. Um, no, but I did, so in 2014, I did like a Kickstarter and um, to do this month-long trip because I was working in the school, so I had summers off, and I did a lot of like I just reached out to basically everyone that I knew anywhere <laughs> and said like do you have any contacts in rural places and so there was a lot of like friends of friends of friends but then also um the kickstarter got picked up by Upworthy I don't even know if that website still exists oh I forgot about Upworthy I didn't even know what it was because so the the background <laughs> to this like multimedia project is that I was living without internet <laughs> with a landline phone and like refused to get a fucking cell phone and like then decided to launch this project which has led me into all sorts of relying on the internet but like I didn't even my dad was like yeah if Upworthy wants to do a post about it you should probably do that like that would be good for your project and I was like but what are they I just never heard of them so they did a post and then people just started contacting me from like Call, they were calling your flip phone. They'd, <laughs> they'd email. Okay. An email address, which I would check at the library. That's what I was going to say, since you would go to the library <laughs> and check. Wow. So, but people wrote, somebody wrote from Italy, somebody wrote from England, people were from like Nebraska and Montana and Wyoming and whatever. Most of those people I've never met. But um, yeah, I think, I think Mason just contacted me on Facebook because she'd seen it somehow. But those are, I mean, there's so many good stories, yeah. so many people, but yeah. those are the first two, I guess. Damn. Yeah. Well, so, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I was I was curious about about and feel free not to divulge this if it's something you want to keep under wraps. But I was interested in what the podcast is going to be about. So, um, it's gonna partially be a way to feature some of the audio. So I I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's of be the interviews. Okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't uh set out to do an audio. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I had never. I'd like 
not done any audio media work i didn't have any experience like i've saved up and got this zoom recorder with no external mics and like i just got, i have a lot of terrible audio is what i'm trying to tell you um and i thought i wanted to write this like book of with stories from every state and then i was like this is crazy expensive and like just getting a few stories in texas could have been like a month's yeah. long project you know <laughs> yeah um so a lot of the audio isn't gonna be podcastable but some of it is bearable and um i think you'd be surprised <laughs> i mean but no it's like I, I was outside in yeah. texas with like the wind roaring so it's just like oh, and then like a train audio. going by i mean it's like bad yeah. it's not just like yeah it's, it's not bad. just me doing unpassable no this is bad jokes this is incredible it's not like we have a zoom recorder right there on the table and then also like the cat is knocking it over right, <laughs> next right, you know right. yeah oh do they all have cats not all of them but some. <laughs> a lot of dogs a lot okay. of um lesbians grilled for me because it was a summer trip they all like oh. grilled in their backyard for me which was very cute mm. um but so yeah i think it'll be it'll be sections of some of the interviews um and I'm not exactly sure, but I think that I might try and um, have a, at the end, like another rural queer person, whether someone who's interviewed or not, like talking about the interview so that there's some more um, just like conversation and connection to the stories. Yeah, That's what I'm thinking at the moment and have been doing a lot of like um, talking with different people who are friends who do podcast stuff who I, you know wanted to pick their brains and other people doing rural queer organizing stuff in different parts of the country and just people that have been sort of informal like support people through the project um thinking about getting their feedback and ideas as i'm putting it together yeah and patreon helps patreon helps you yeah want to plug that yeah so i started a patreon because i was like well damn the trillbillies are making money what the fuck <laughs> were your inspiration <laughs> you were my inspiration for real i was like well shit i should just try to get if something. they can do it anybody <laughs> can do it that is true <laughs> no but also like patreon didn't exist for the first many years of the project like it's pretty newish it feels like right yeah, or else yeah, i'm totally. just still out and of the trash well yeah, but it's also a lot easier than what I've done, which is like very small, big fundraising pushes by myself, which take a ton of time and energy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I did create a Patreon earlier this year, just this winter, and did a little push um, in February that if people signed up, they could get a sticker because they're these cute little stickers. So yeah, have like 50-something um, people right now, supporters. Oh, yeah. But doing great. always looking for more. It helps. It's a very expensive project to travel rurally. I'm also was just in Ohio this weekend with my dad trying to print um, images because there's going to be a gallery exhibit that'll go up this June in Athens, Ohio, and then can go to some different places, different small towns after that with some photos of people and also um, some like printed excerpts of interviews and also like a listening station where people can hear some of the audio. So trying to just like, it feels like I've been like gathering this stuff for years and not having any way to get it out. And so this year, my plan is to try to get some get it out it. to the world, you know? Yeah. And there's yeah. a website with many of them. There's a website, which is just countryqueers.com. It, it doesn't actually have that many of the interviews. And I'm, my sister-in-law is helping me try to like rebuild a website that's a little fancier and easier to use um, at the moment. So that'll be exciting, but still maybe a couple months off. But yeah, there are some of the stories just in transcript form up on the website, like 15 of them. So you can visit countryqueers.com. Mm-hmm. You can find Country Queers on Patreon. Smash mm-hmm. that motherfucking Patreon button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
We need a little noise maker in here. We need like a bell. I want a oh, dance yeah. hall Bells. air horn. Like. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. Hell yeah. That's what I want. Hell yeah. Uh, and you can find Country Queers on Instagram and Twitter. That's right. And Facebook, if oh. people still use that. Really? Yeah. News to me. It's and been Facebook. there. Going the way of the flip phone, but uh, <laughs> still there. <laughs> um, I've upgraded to the smartphone only a couple years ago. But <laughs> Reluctantly. <laughs> yeah, really, still, I actually saw someone, someone like, I used to be one of those people who was like, oh, you people on your phones, you know, and now I feel a lot of guilt when those people do it because I'm like, I sold out. And so someone posted a picture of their flip phone and I was like, I should just go back. My phone's just like, I should but just you can go never back go back. Right yeah, you really can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. Cannot. <laughs> totally. <clears throat> well, um, so, yeah, do you all want to... You had something you we wanted notes, to talk son? about to bring to the, the peanut gallery here, so why don't you bring forth that, which actually ties into the rural thing. Well, I, that's kind of why I wanted to bring up bring it up, but before we do it, do y'all mind if we take a break so I can, I nope. can pee? Yeah, I actually need to pee, too. Okay. How'd this happen? I'm going to be honest with you. Those I, double I ice pee. cream cones. I, I double pee. ice cream cones. I don't need to pee, so I should probably drink more water. <laughs> 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 just do a line. Stand. I definitely have to pee. I was just thinking.
Well, the the thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, the article that I wanted to talk about, um, was the thing was the uh, I'm sure you all saw it. The if you didn't see it on Twitter or in your Google Alerts feed, um, I'm sure somebody that you work with probably shared it with you. What would we have our Google Alerts set on to get to receive this? I'm curious. Uh, New York rural. Times, rural, rural America, Paul Krugman. Economic anxiety. Economic anxiety. <laughs> Turns out, do not have any of those. White working on, class. On my Google alerts. <laughs> well, the reason I asked you the question about like, are there any sort of universal generalizations or mm. larger theories you can sort of deduce from this is because a lot of people are doing that, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, maybe so that's the right answer. Maybe that's why I hate it so much. There's <laughs> a damn cottage industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it literally is. Well, and so, um, like, the big thing right now is, uh, and, you know, you've seen some version of this since Trump got elected, but you know, Krugman is, as ever, as you know, I'm just, I'm sure you know, he's a liberal commentator at the New York Times. He's just standard. It says he's liberal, right, Tom? He like, was the economic advisor for Bill Clinton. Okay. So when he rose to fame, he was the one that, that I, th I don't know if he wrote the speech, but his work was the subject of Clinton's famous, we have created a new economy Are you speech. Getting, okay. Because um, he's very easily confused with Robert Reich. They're very similar. Two different, but they both worked in the Clinton <laughs> they administration. They look yeah. almost identical. Yeah, and, but Robert Reich's four foot six. and. <laughs> That's how you can tell them apart. Krugman is four foot. Eleven. <laughs> yeah, and Paul Krugman's four <laughs> foot nine. Yeah. Well, Krugman first came to my attention during the 2008 financial crisis. He was basically the one saying, like, you know, you've spent through a deficit. So it's like I thought he was a pretty liberal, progressive guy. But over the years, I've realized that he's, well, he's just your sort of standard centrist liberal. Um, and he's got an article called Getting Real About Rural America. He wants to get All real. right, baby, let's get real. <laughs> You want to get real, Paul? But uh, imagine Let's the difference real. in this artic article if he had wrote, Getting Trill. <laughs> episode title. Getting yeah. queer. Episode title. Yeah. Getting queer about Roll America. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> there's, your, there's a title for your whatever yeah, spinoff you want to have. <laughs> I feel like anytime anybody says getting, we got to get real. They're holding back. They want to say something, but they're like... They're trying to, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, like, trying to, like, prep you for what they're going to say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're just going to get real. We got to get, like, these are hard truths we're facing. Like, yeah. this is some hard stuff. Like, so what he's getting real with everybody about is nobody knows how to reverse the heartland's decline. I think this is going to be a very big issue in 2020, right? Like, you got people like Klobuchar running... On their sort of like heartland credentials. What is the but heartland? Is what is the heartland? The heartland is like, I think everything that's not New York and San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> Every, I mean, have you never listened to Bruce Springsteen? Nothing on the Northeast, nothing on the West Coast. Yeah, not, everything else. Exactly. Everything not the coasts, pretty much. Mm -hmm. All right. It's, it's where the real beating heart of America lies, Tanya. It's the real America. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right, right. Which clearly I'm already annoyed because. <laughs> You can't say that East Kentucky is the same as damn Indiana or even Montana or Texas. These people don't know what they're talking about. Well, he he's, she knows she's interviewed queer people and all. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like he he basically conflates like farmers with rural America. I mean, look, anybody can define it however they want. It, it, it they're sort of telling on themselves in many ways, though. 
like how they define it. Mm-hmm. Some people will define it as coal miners. Some will, people will define it as as farmers. You know. Yeah. Some people will define it as. Um, I don't know. Well, that's the tricky thing too. Working forty it? hour a week for a living. <laughs> Just yeah. Sit it on. <laughs> yeah. We have a, hello, West Virginia coal miner. <laughs> I I think uh, I like everybody, and they talk about that song except for the policeman on patrol. <laughs> like that guy. Yeah, but yeah. All the other people in that. Want to yeah. thank you for, for your sure. time. Well, so the problem with um, the problem with liberals right now, or the problem that they're trying to address, the try the problem that really keeps them up at night is what do you do with rural America? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they don't yeah, have totally. they don't have any real sort of use for it. They think that, like, uh, in, in Krugman's art- argument in this essay is that, um, well, I could just read here from you, right here. There's nothing wrong with discussing these issues. Rural lives matter. We're all Americans no. and deserve to share in the nation's wealth. Fucking <laughs> with me. It's out of control. Rural votes, rural votes matter even more. Like it or not, our political system gives hugely disproportionate weight to less populous states, which are also generally states with relatively rural populations. That is... That's truth. a fair point if you're talking about like the Senate, for example. Like like Wyoming has fewer people than Lexington, Kentucky, but like they have <laughs> the same amount of senators political as representation. Kentucky. Yeah, whatever. Right, right. Well the point I think the the reason why is because um you know, there's very precious uh lucrative minerals <laughs> in the ground there. There's <laughs> gold they, in them there hills. They need to be able to exert their political influence to make sure that that continues. Um but it's also important to get real. There are powerful forces behind the relative, and in some cases, absolute <laughs> economic decline of rural America. And the truth is that nobody knows how to reverse those forces. I'm so ready to go on this article. I'm sorry, I keep reading, but I'm like, I'm just, I read it oh, this She's afternoon. Like, oh, you already read it? it. I read, read it. it. Well, jump in anytime no, you no, want. No, no, keep going. Uh, put it this way. Many of the problems facing America have easy technical solutions. All we lack is the political will. Every other advanced country provides universal health care. So, and again, this is a good point. I, I agree with this point. Like, yeah, yeah we should there be are some good points. Yeah, affordable health care is within easy reach. Blah blah blah. Uh, rebuilding or fraying infrastructure would be expensive, but we can afford it. You know, again, that's up. But reviving declining regions is really hard. Many countries have tried, but it's difficult to find any convincing success stories. He talks about Southern Italy, East Germany after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, What's the matter with rural America? Major urban centers have always been magnets for economic growth. They offer large markets, ready availability of specialized suppliers, large pools of workers with specialized skills. And they just have they people have more skills in the cities. Yeah, you now know? These dumb they dicks can't help it that they have so much money in New York. They just have more skills, and that's why they made all yeah. the fucking money off of everywhere else in the world forever. Exactly. It's all that's that's the. Uh, that th- that's economics 101 right if you have more skills you, just, you make more money you have more skills you have more <laughs> money <laughs> um if the you capitalist live dream. as in rap so in uh life <laughs> and work exactly but the gravitational pull of big cities used to be counteracted by the need to locate farming where the good land was in 1950 u.s agriculture directly employed more than six million people these farmers supported a network of small towns providing local services and some of these small towns served as seeds around which various specialized industries grew. Pause. Okay. Everybody here is from a rural area. Hands up if you could tell you where the nearest, like, like, well, Rachel's different, obviously, that part of West Virginia. But, like, here, like, in eastern Kentucky, Big and farm. especially in the desert, 
There's no goddamn farming around here. <laughs> well, but I would say that I did grow up in a farming place and where there's not big farms and people can't make right. a living doing it anymore. And that's whatever. He's making some large arguments about like economic shifts that are outside of people's control. But also, I feel like he's not talking about the people who've benefited from those shifts. Right. Which are like giant corporations like shifting things so that the only people who can make a living as farmers are like these giant farms in the Midwest and in places where you can have mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres, right? And so, like, this is the thing that pisses me off about this article. I know you're not done reading it. No, no, But is that he's, like, he's talking about all these issues that, like, I I don't think he's... Most of what he's saying is, like, there's some truth to it, but there's no, like, nuance to, like, why or any, like, acknowledgement of the fact that people in rural areas know a hell of a lot more about this than he does and have been living it (laughs) for decades, right? Anyways, I hope you read that beginning of that last paragraph. Well, so because it pisses me off. Well, so we're I think I probably I think I know what you're referencing. We're building towards what he we're building towards his thesis. Mm. We're getting ready to get Krugged. We're getting ready to get Krugged. (laughs) (laughs) When he says that he doesn't know what to do with rural areas he's not talking about with uh, he's not talking about what they produce uh, the resources that come out of them the people there he is purely talking about their political ideology that's all he's talking about again we'll get to that uh, nor was farming the only activity giving people a reason to live far from major met- metropolitan areas there were for example almost half a million coal miners so you know he's hit he, those that's good okay good <laughs> <laughs> Um, even Which then, are the only two rural co- industries and careers <laughs> that exist in this country. Farmer, coal Farmers miner. and coal miners. Right. Nobody else exactly. lives here. Well, it's funny how both of those professions or whatever those industries are declining. And so those are the only two that anybody can talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even then, rural areas and small towns weren't the real America, somehow morally superior to the rest of us. But they were a major part of the demographic, social and cultural landscape. Since then, however, while America's population has doubled, the number of farmers has fallen by two-thirds. There are only 50,000 coal miners now. The incentives for business to locate... That's generous. The the incentives for business to locate far from the metropolitan action have greatly diminished, and the people still living in rural areas increasingly feel left behind. Again, he's, you know, he's pretty much been able to document and uh, sort of identify all the uh, structural issues and stuff. I wish he had put a little, like footnote number by that and then down below been like refer to my interview with so and so you know like he just is like such grandiose that we all feel left behind <laughs> I just wish he had used the phrase economic anxiety by now <laughs> play the hits about two, Krug got about two paragraphs behind there cowboy play the hits and then you know and then he talks about social consequences addiction joblessness all that stuff Mountain Dew mouth but this is <laughs> Mountain Dew mouth, right? But this is the this. Now we get to the crux. Now we get to the part that real. Now we get to the Krug, not not the crux. We get to the Krug. Buckle up, everybody. We get to the part that the, the point he's really trying to make. I'm sorry, I'm sighing dramatically into the microphone over <laughs> and over again. I'm just so fucking sick of these articles. I'm so over it. Uh, politically, rural America is increasingly a world apart. For example, overall U.S. public opinion is increasingly positive towards immigrants. But rural Americans, many of whom rarely encounter immigrants in their daily lives, have a vastly more negative view. Is that true? <laughs> There's no fucking way. Wait, what part? What part? That rural Americans don't encounter immigrants or that we're more xenophobic? That we're more xenophobic. 
this is the thing you can't make gross generalizations about uh, any region that's as large as rural america i mean this is insane this is literally insane and it's what everybody i feel like is doing at a national level i shouldn't say everybody blah 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 but like i just feel like some communities are like full some rural communities are full of immigrants who are there for all sorts of reasons right and some aren't and like that varies county to county (laughs) right and also like all sorts of other industries in different places like and and people's interactions with and like relationships to different communities are not like one county to another can be a drastically different landscape politically or like environmentally or in terms of immigration and much less like a huge section of the country yeah is his evidence the the 2016 election (laughs) that that probably that we're more xenophobic but also also uh well, let me show me somebody that believes citation. rural has a monopoly on racism, and I'll show you somebody that's um, uh, never been to a little place called New Jersey. Well, <laughs> he uh, or he does cite an article. New York, <laughs> Mr. Trump. Yeah, yeah. He, he does cite an article uh, to back that claim up, but I can't read it because it's behind a paywall. It's in the Washington Post. That's why you got to go incognito mode, baby. All my- <laughs> Is that how you do it, Tom? That's, how, that's the workaround. All right, the- all right. Yeah. Well, I got into an argument with somebody on Twitter today who basically said that, well, there is evidence to show that rural Americans are more xenophobic and, uh, you know, racist and other shit. Maybe this is what he was referring to. But that's, you're, I like, but the, the point that I was making is basically what you just said is that, like, it's not scientific. Like, how can you make a, a claim like that that's so... I don't know. Well, it's just like a huge generalization, which I mean, I do think it's important to like acknowledge the ways in which the communities that we live in have been really like full of violence and racism and like homophobia. Right. Like, I mean, I think that's part of what I try to figure out sometimes with country queers is like talking about that. That isn't the entire story without denying the reality that like a lot of rural queer people that left years ago, like did have really, really intensely negative experiences. And like, I don't think it's helpful for us to like deny the ways in which like I grew up in a county that had a neo-Nazi organization that like everyone didn't just let them do their thing and figured it was fine. Right. Like that was the like that's not cool. (laughs) But I also think that like locating xenophobia and racism only in rural places is the problem. It's not like talking about it here, but also talking about it everywhere else. Right. Like, yeah, it's it's like they continue to put the blame of power structures on people who have had no power. (laughs) Yeah, the, the political power. Well, I'm looking at this for decades. I just like to point out that generation. I eat frequently a place called Heritage Kitchen, not Hate Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that restaurant's ran by two gay men. God damn it! God. Damn it. The, I'm checking out that Washington Post article. I don't know. The, the did you go incognito? That word. I did go incognito. Well, we've leaked that. <laughs> Apparently, the, the this survey was conducted on 1,700 Americans, including more than 1,000 in rural areas. So they interviewed more people in rural areas. Wow. So of course you're going to get more responses. For the love totally. of fucking yeah. God. <laughs> Jesus. And 1,700. I could interview 1,700 people right now and and determine that everyone owns a pair of red socks. This is insane. Um, I don't, but. <laughs> 1,700 Poking people. holes in that theory already. Um the fuck not surprisingly rural america is also pretty much the only place where donald trump remains popular despite the damage his trade wars have done to the farm economy his net approval is vastly higher in rural areas than it is in the rest of the country so what can be done to help rural america but wait 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 i just want to back up a second 
Because that I think that claim in and of itself is pretty interesting too. And I don't want to get into the whole like numbers game of like X amount of people voted for him in a county in West Virginia versus Long Island. Because I do believe, and this is from growing up in a rural area, I do believe that conservatives have they have a stronger grasp on sort of social control in, in rural areas. But I don't think that that is the same thing as saying that rural areas that most people that right. most people support them in rural areas exactly. Yeah. And the, and in the best evidence for this, as I pointed it out on Twitter, is that like why is the school board the most highly contested power structure in every rural county? Because it's imperative that conservatives are are able to reproduce that sort of social control in the form of whatever it is, racism, xenophobia, or whatever that allows them to continue their practices of extraction. And you know what I'm saying, like yeah. resources. You know, when Tanya used, used to talk about running for school board, I used to think, oh, that's cute, but there's a rationale <laughs> to that. If you don't Did think you just all the things you're doing cute, is that what you're saying? Wow. Usually. Usually. <laughs> yeah, real cute. Anyway, I got the paperwork and tried to run, but my my uh, part of the county seat wasn't up. Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, geography based. Um, Well, you know, it, it, the thing is, is that like, for you to make a, a sort of um, sort of broad generalization like that, um, you you have to look at like how political economy is uh, sort of expressed in rural areas. You have to look at like how and where indoctrination occurs and like the stakes for upholding a sort of conservative social agenda, right? Like it's I don't really quite know how to articulate this, but let's say like. If you're talking about a place where I grew up in southeastern New Mexico, a lot of people make money off the oil that comes out of the ground there. If you had people who were sort of more progressive-minded and free-thinking that started to challenge that and say, look, like the, the workers should get those profits, like, and the profits, you know, shouldn't be leaving here, and, you know, then you'd have some real problems on your hand. You'd have segments of the working, local working class banding together and shutting down the economy and everything. It's it's imperative for the conservatives to um, make sure that that doesn't happen. The liberals have completely given it up. They don't care anymore. They've co- the only po- the only sort of political realms they care about anymore are the urban centers because there's a bigger sort of petty bourgeois, uh, you know. Totally. And also, I think what conservatives have to do, just because they're so deeply unpopular, yeah. is they have to be good at forecasting, right? So they have to sort of put their finger on the scales decades in advance. Sometimes I feel like. And that's hard to just undo in, you know, an election cycle or even two or three or yeah, whatever. Right, right, you know, right. Which is like part of our critique of electoral politics is like that's not necessarily the most expedient way to bring about change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that – I don't know. Do you all have anything you want to add to it? <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to read that last article where he's like, some rural – I mean the last paragraph where he's like, some rural readers might find this condescending. Can you just read what he says? Because I'd have something to say about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, some we're of you uh, ignorant coal-smudged reprobates might take some exception Some of you people who actually live in rural areas <laughs> might find it condescending that myself, a wealthy New Yorker, is trying to figure out how to solve your problems right, without right. asking any of you about what you're down, doing. Will you? My Can you question, read that part? My question is why the fucking New York Times keeps printing the same fucking thing over I'm, and over. The New York Times. I'm bored as fuck. I know. I know. I mean, I'm not a subscriber, well, but shit. <laughs> You're <laughs> boring. 
<laughs> Gype wrote a good thing. They published a good thing by Gype recently. I didn't read it. Damn. I'll take your authority on it. But it was the only thing I've ever seen that um, <laughs> I felt like was any good. Well, it, it keeps people like Krugman up at night because they're like, <laughs> uh, what what can be done to help rural America? That's what he says. What can be done to help rural America? You what can he means, focus on New York City is what could be done, actually. What he means, <laughs> yes. Well, what he means is like, how do we turn them back into, uh, you know, um, not useful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How, how, can, do make, how can we squeeze capital and labor? But how do they serve like, us again? For real, when he writes, some people might find this kind of sending. Like, this is the thing. If you have to say that about any group of people that you're talking about, now you should I probably not be talking, right? Now like, racist, if you are true. a straight white man who's like, you might find this condescending women, but let me tell you about how your cause has failed, or like whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, this is this is a problem. Like, you're conceding separate from all of his like individual arguments, like. If like, what are you doing? Why why does he think that like this is such a thing that happens in the New York Times? What happens like so much nationally that like people just want to write about places and communities that they have no connection to, <laughs> but posi- like position themselves as experts? And yeah. like that's the thing that gets me more than anything in this article is like you're literally self aware enough to realize that people are gonna be offended and frustrated by you. <laughs> But you still think you should do it. That's the which New York is Times like, way. And the old rich white guy way, I have right. to say. Like, this right. is such a particular, like, <laughs> literally, I acknowledge that this isn't my community, but still let me tell you why I know right. more about well, it than you do. Like, I can't. I just yeah. can't. And if you aired those grievances, I'm sorry to even cut you off. I was going to say, I hate to drag us back to episode one, but it's very easy <laughs> to write or talk or just bullshit about things you have no accountability around well the the, the thing is though that, that i don't think they really um nobody's gonna knock on his door and be like okay well now you're packing an ass whooping well the, the thing <laughs> that i am with you on that a lot of these motherfuckers just uh, they've never felt they <laughs> i'm telling you they have never felt they have never felt threatened or insecure a day That's in their life they've never and felt, that makes they a difference well, don't have fear in their life the thing that pissed somebody off on twitter so bad that i said was that they don't have any awareness of power or in political economy somebody was like well he's got a nobel prize in economics and it's like well i think that should probably tell you something about the nobel prize <laughs> like it's a bunch of bullshit but like look if you're talking about a rural community most rural communities are defined by one single resource whether it's farming coal mining or oil or maybe some far- furniture plant in like North Carolina or Georgia like textiles yeah we don't refer to New York City as like a finance community we don't refer to like <laughs> we don't uh, refer to national the finance community yeah. up there right in, we uh, don't refer to Nashville as like a music community but we do refer to this as a coal mining community or right. as like mo- I mean like I'm saying that like the political economy of those places are structured around that and so all the like the sort of attendant like cultural things are going to spin out of that and they have no awareness of this they just think that everybody because that like trump wins these counties that everybody here supports trump when in reality it's that like the people here who support trump are incredibly powerful, powerful. And, they've, and, and disproportionately they've, wealthy yeah, they've made they've made the powerless completely invisible right so we're invisible to both the, the conservatives, obviously, because they want us to be, because then we'd start challenging the actual flow of profit, and we're invisible to these motherfuckers because we don't vote the way they, they want us to. They want us to, right. And that's like Tanya pointed out, I think, in the early going, was that like 80% of people didn't see anything they thought well, they wanted to vote People for. are not voting because they know it's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. This ain't rocket science. The yeah. proof's in the pudding. Been for a long time. Yeah. Why bother? No, literally, very few people in my family vote, and that's the God's honest truth. 
I, I called my mom one day on election day when I was doing voter turnout. I was like, hey, did you go vote today? And she was like, what? <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck because their lives aren't changing depending on what dumbass has been elected in the last 20 years. Right. Their lives are not different. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're exactly right. Well, I'll, I'll get to, uh, you know, I can skip right to the end. I can skip to uh, Can Rachel's I just favorite. say that maybe my favorite part of this podcast so far is you saying the proof is in the pudding? <laughs> <laughs> the proof's in free cone day, bitch. <laughs> and I, I double my share today. I'm going to take advantage of that shit right. right after this. Well, I'll read the last paragraph. I'm sure that some rural readers will be angered by everything I've just said. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Seeing it as a typical big city condescension. But I still think I'm an expert enough that I should write it because you should learn from me because I live in New York City and therefore I know everything about your communities. Right. But, that's, sorry. but that's neither my intention nor the point. I'm simply trying to get real. He's trying to get real. <laughs> if Paul really wanted to get real, here's what he'd do. Here's come on up do. here and spend a week with us, Paul. <laughs> he would come down here and pack an ass whooping. He ha- that's the only way to get real. <laughs> it, as some people only respond to physical pain. Paul needs to respond to some physical pain. Paul, you need to get down here. I'm going to put you on the top of Pine Mountain in a pair of roller skates, boy, and we're going to stand <laughs> at the bottom of the hill and wait for your ass. <laughs> Pac-Man style. Pac-Man style, baby. We can't help rural America without <laughs> understanding that the role it used to play in our nation is being undermined by powerful economic forces that nobody knows how to stop. You can help rural America, New York people, by focusing <laughs> on New York. Just go focus on the community that you actually know something about. That would Fix be helpful. Fix your subway. That would be helpful. Yeah. Do and your low-income housing, you yeah. dumb dick. You've got a lot of issues of your own to work on. Maybe protect your mob bosses better. Yeah. <laughs> You know? What is this motherfucker? What did he win the pri- the Nobel for? Economics. <clears throat> well, what the hell does that mean? He writes things. <laughs> he is a theorist. He's a teacher. Yeah, he uh, he's he's well credentialed. I'll put it like this. What's he have to say about gentrification? He probably thinks it's bad, but um, look, Krugman is. It's like I said. He first came to my attention in the 2008 crisis because. Um, at that time, there was this big question, do, do we bail out the banks? Uh, do we try to restart the economy through some kind of New Deal type program? And he was one of the few that was saying yes. Uh, you know, he did the bare minimum. He did the bare fucking minimum. I think that's probably what he won the Nobel Prize over. Who the fuck knows? But regardless, um, a lot of these people, they don't have any analysis of class. Like, they don't. when they think of economics, they don't see it that way. They don't see, like history as a perpetual struggle of between classes and and the distribution of resources is done by uh you know hard work right right (laughs) you work hard you make money right maybe i'm making assumptions about him i don't know but it just seems to me that like he you're it just keeps coming back to what you said rachel he he just doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about and he gets paid six figures a year to do that. I swear to God, he probably gets paid about a quarter million dollars a year to do that. Well, and this is just like a larger th- <laughs> I just, like, I, I don't, it just seems so obvious that, like, the most effective work people do is in communities where they're, like, accountable to other people in their community, where they're, like, deeply understand the community because they live in it. <laughs> Have like, skin in you the know what That's I mean? a novel idea. Isn't this, like... <laughs> It's not rocket science. I don't know. Apparently, well, maybe we do need to win a Nobel Prize for something as basic as, like, 
I just think it's like so insulting to go in. And this happens to a lot of communities. It's not just rural. It's not just Appalachia, right? Like it's been happening to communities of color for a long time. It's been happening to like all sorts of marginalized communities that like quote unquote experts think that they like need need to and are best positioned to like solve the issues and get real and get get real. real. (laughs) Well, his issue, the reason why he's writing about this, the reason it's like I said earlier is because he's concerned that that's where Trump's votes are coming from. Look, the liberals used to have rural America, right? Like for and they had it for decades. There's, t- <laughs> there's towns in West Texas called New Deal Texas and shit. Like they, <laughs> the, 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 Jimmy Carter's second election, he carried West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, like, it really bothers the, a lot of these liberals who are like, oh, like you know, all of our votes now come from the urban centers and stuff. But they 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 don't realize that like because the sort of economic landscape has shifted so dramatically in the last, just the last three decades. Like it's almost impossible to even like the liberals aren't going to get rural America back. Like the, I mean, like it's not like Bernie could do it probably, but like anybody to the right of him is not going to be able to do it because they're not, uh, I don't know. They, they just don't understand the sort of economic forces at work. Wh- you know, where, where, where people are working, the nature of work, well, Was that just a Trillbilly's official um, endorsement of Bernie? Is that what just happened? I'm just, I'm just asking. Well, it's a non-Trillbilly. Uh, it's so complicated. Just, <laughs> sorry to bring that up, but I did we just notice that happened. Last happen. time I was okay. well, look, just curious. On just the curious. thing that Tanya said earlier is that most of you know your family doesn't vote. A lot of the people I know don't vote. Stuff. Bernie is the only opportunity I think to break out of this cycle of, um, you know electoral politics as something that doesn't change our lives substantially electoral politics is mostly for the bourgeois classes that's mostly who in in the thing about bernie uh, beto raising all that money is the best example of it no. guy got like six million dollars from gentrifiers running 5ks right and so it's like <laughs> that's who, that's that's who electoral politics mostly serve bernie is still tacking to this bullshit disappearing middle class thing That's a huge mistake he's making. He's basically fighting for the same demographic that Beto's fighting. If you really want to have a transformation, a political transformation of this country, you have to go for those people who aren't voting. And again, this this has been our critique of electoral politics. It, It might actually be structurally impossible to have some sort of campaign because so few people vote and because a lot of those people who are demoralized and disenfranchised just can't vote. And so we more induce, uh, induce, endorse the gulags. It's our official endorsement. (laughs) (laughs) Ideological recondition. No, we we are for President Omar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, I don't know. I guess it's a whole other issue, and I did kind of want to talk about the Beto thing a little bit, but it it's a whole other issue. But the I think the the main point is that like I think Bernie probably represents the best opportunity to break out of this sort of cycle that we've been in but um i don't know if i may pivot to beto for a second this is just pertinent to what we're talking tom about. can i just say you have a great radio voice i just i've just have been thinking about it through I this whole thing it. oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Excellent. it's really every time you talk i'm like oh yeah that sounds good in the headphones <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it is excellent okay sorry keep going we haven't talked about uh, Beto wanting to bring Tinder to the hollers so that people can find their people can Wait. folks. They're not able to fall in love. Catch and start me up families. on this because if he does a rural queer one, I'm in. I'm so in. he he basically 
did a little stump speech. You know how he's like from hopping a, on bar tops all yeah, over from the a country. Bar top, you've seen this. I haven't really, but like, I trust you. It's fine. Maybe well, I just like I'm not following it as closely. Thank God. What was it? Maybe like the first one he did. Yeah. He was like uh, the very first one. Yeah, the very first knows. one did. He like said that we need to bring tender to rural areas. This is part of his campaign. He was taught. He was trying to be. Uh, <laughs> cool millennial guy yeah. talking about He's a punk internet access. <laughs> okay, but one thing I will just say before we go off air is that if anyone listening to Trillbillies has the skills to create a rural queer only dating app, please do it because that actually maybe answers your previous question, Terrence. They already ha- it's called Christian Mingle. No. You remember Farmers the only. <laughs> Farmers only. I'm saying for queer people. Christian <laughs> for real. Mingle. That's what I'm telling you. You just got to know, like, the secret, like, how to order off the menu. No, but Tanya, what I'm saying is the opposite of of that, so that you don't. I'm joking that Christian Mingle is. I know you're joking. Queer. I just am t- telling it's you, I'm really, hard. I'm really like serious. she's putting the call out for that. I'm for just real. Right. real. Well, I have asked- had multiple people request this, and none of us have the tech skills to do it. So I'm just putting that I'm out there while you. we're talking about it. But I can't even get none of these numbnuts to find my iCloud. Right. <laughs> I don't know that we have very technical listeners. Well, if we pay her the big you bucks. do. You mean That's our fans? You've been trying to get our fans to find your iCloud? I've said this multiple times. <laughs> I can't find my iCloud. If someone would just you find it, find it? send it to me. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. Why are you asking our fans? <laughs> I just mean I've said asking it on IT before. person. <laughs> Somebody. Anybody. Anyone I Y'all know. are smart enough to find us in the adult section of Patreon. Ball. Surely you can find my iCloud. <laughs> um, but it really it really was, was pretty were, funny yeah. that... that Beto said that that listen they can't find the love of their life he really said that <laughs> yeah because we don't have tinder here i wonder if he's ever used tinder i've used tinder and as a real queer person it fucking sucks in eastern kentucky let me tell you unless no you're trying to it's, unless you're trying to find a straight pretty, couple looking for a third yeah which is not what i'm looking <laughs> for it it's pretty bleak it's pretty or bleak. it's johnson city you also uh, have like to cast a wide very wide so wide. like yeah and then so people are like where are you and you're like eastern kentucky and then you never hear it's from like, them again yeah i'm 140 <laughs> miles away um well the, the I, I i think the reason i wanted to bring that up specifically on this episode is because the portrait of rural America that Krugman paints is of one where it is predominantly populated by conservative people. And that's kind of why I asked you the question, is rural America more dangerous for queer people? I don't want to answer the question for you, but and it doesn't. I don't know if you can even quantify something like that. But I think my uh, like opinion on this and rebuttal to, to Krugman would be, Rural uh, America in general is an incredibly oppressive, fucked up nation. The conservatives just have more power in rural places, it seems like, than the his sort of haven of, uh, you know, diversity and multiculturalism in New York City or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I would say to the thing around is rural America safer for queer people? I, this is a this is a thing people bring up a lot, too, is like where are queer people safe? And I, it's another thing that I think needs more discussion around like when we were talking about queer people who are we talking about right because actually like the majority of queer people who are physically not safe in our country are black 
trans women are like trans women of color trans people of color and that's true in cities it's true in rural areas it's like it's it's like it's not as simple as rural and urban and what's safer and less safe right it's about like other layers of identity it's about it's about class it's about like access to all these other things which i think is like true also in terms of like thinking about rural america as this homogenous whole like it's it's just way more complicated than that like it looks there are pockets of huge wealth in rural communities and they're clearly big stretches where there's not wealth like it's just it's just i feel like the yeah it's complicated it's complicated (laughs) cis gay white man have a lot of wealth too yes (laughs) a lot yeah um yeah well that 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 uh i think that probably in our i have one request that we go out on West Virginia coal mine and you work 40 hours a week for <laughs> you, My Just rendition wasn't good enough line. for you. <laughs> no, I thought it was pretty good. We'll do Tanya's. We'll, we'll polish that. We'll yeah, do yeah just remix. Tonight. Can mine. I have you come in tomorrow at 8 a.m. <laughs> set up a studio in the okay, bathroom? Okay, perfect. <laughs> I'll be here. You think the bathroom's the best audio quality in this um, house? Well, probably <laughs> both. <laughs> Honestly, this room is great audio It's pretty quality. good. A lot yeah. of wood, mm-hmm. you know? A lot and of soft that. surfaces. Exactly, exactly. Does that help? Um, well, <laughs> it does. R- Rachel, thank you so much. For Hell yeah, Rachel. This is yeah, fun. Thanks. I had fun too. This is fun. Uh, let's plug your stuff one more time before we sign off. Yeah. How do you, we find you on Instagram and uh, all your socials? It's just country queers in Everywhere. all the places. Country queers on Instagram. There's some takeovers. It's on Twitter. Patreon. Most importantly, Most Patreon. Most important, Patreon. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And countryqueers.com. And can Uh-oh. you still get a sticker if you sign up on Patreon? No. <laughs> well, that, Cut that out. That ship has sailed, bitch. <laughs> I don't have enough left. Okay, well, um, well, thank you again for joining us, Rachel. Yeah, and uh, we got to do it again. Yeah, yeah. let's do it again sometimes. So. All right. Keep well, your eyes peeled. And uh, before we go, I just want to plug our Patreon. Uh, make sure you go and subscribe to that. Um, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Party, And... Uh, no yeah. apostrophe. No apostrophe. And Not adult content anymore. So we're off the list. Mm-hmm. No. That doesn't mean that we're not uh, that we're not still adult content. We definitely are. That we're not smutty anymore. It just means it just means I sent a strongly worded email to the Patreon people. That and they responded. <laughs> they responded. I said, "Look, you're leaving money on the table." He really, he really did. It's kind of. <laughs> no, no. Was it embarrassing? Oh, he dug deep. He dug deep into it his worked, capitalist though. soul. He it worked. <laughs> it worked. So. All right, all right. Well, uh, we you gotta go, but we'll talk to you later. They keep this country turning around. Hello, Kansas. Sweet Bill Farmer, let me thank you for your time. You work a 40 hour week for a living. Just to send it all down the line. Hello, Miss Virginia Coal Miner, let me thank you for your time. You work a 40 hour week for a living. Just to send it on